This is Temple in Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into Temple in Heilprin. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's Jesse Temple. We're getting ready for Wisconsin and Northwestern coming up on Saturday. The Badgers looking to snap a two-game losing streak. They've lost three of four. Last time out was not pretty at Indiana. Wasn't great, Jesse. Agree? Not ideal. Not ideal. One of the worst. (laughs) We might have to start making a top ten of worst games we've covered. I think that I think that certainly one is that uh, that will have to uh, make the list as you get your food delivered while we're on air. It's it's, it's looking good. We're, we're, at, live, we're baby. at Monks. He's getting his he's getting his normal uh, sweet potato fries and what 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 is it? Brisket sandwich. Brisket sandwich. You love it. Yeah, I'm he, a creature habit. If I find something I like, I'm in. <laughs> so uh, again, just the, one of the great things about being at Monks: great food, great TVs, great atmosphere to watch some uh, basketball tonight. The Bucks facing off against the Pacers down in Indiana. No Damian Lillard tonight. He's got a calf injury. Um, How the, long before Giannis stares at a player and gets kicked <laughs> out of the game tonight? How, ridic- five? How ridiculous was that? That was uh, as clown show as clown show gets for NBA officials. I saw I saw an angle. Like last night, you couldn't really tell like whether he was looking at him. I saw an angle this morning. I think it was... Uh, um, who was it? Marquise Johnson put it out, maybe? He's he looked at him away. for like three seconds, like maybe two seconds. And this was slow-mo, and he still looked away. It was a horrible, horrible call. Horrible call. Uh, but uh, they obviously were able to come back and beat Indiana last night. Uh, some big plays from Damian Lillard and also Brooke Lopez. So certainly uh, good stuff from the Bucks there. Another uh, very busy week for the Milwaukee Brewers as well. Uh, the, the Bucks certainly not the only story in the city of Milwaukee. Great Council moves on from the Brewers, and he is not going far. He's going down to the Cubs. And I, I'm sure you're asking yourself, why are you guys talking about this? This is a Badger show. No one wants to talk about the Brewers. We've heard Grant Bills talk about it all week. It's very annoying. We don't want to hear about it anymore. He's not around. Who cares? Uh, well, we're going to turn this a little bit on its head. We're going to turn this into a little Badger topic. I was talking about with this with you uh, with this yesterday about this, and kind of thinking: Has there ever been a situation where this has happened with the Brewers, or excuse me, with the Badgers? Has there ever been a situation where a guy so beloved, eh, beloved maybe a too strong of a word, really thought of well, a, a hometown guy with his hometown team going to their biggest rival, and? I couldn't think of anything that was just, like, right away, Badger-wise. So we kind of, like, changed a little bit. And like, situations that may have led to this, or uh, situations that may have come around like this in the past that didn't actually happen, but that could have happened. And where did you go immediately? I went right to Brett Bielema. Um, I think by the time he left, fans felt like jilted lovers, and he felt it was time to go. But what if he had gone to the Gophers instead? I don't even look at it like Iowa. I mean, he's got a Hawkeye tattoo. Yeah. So Minnesota would have been the one where you go into that team and that rival. I, it's not a lot that comes to my mind. I know you have some others. A real-life one, not for the Badgers, but Brett Favre ending up on the Vikings. I mean, yeah. it doesn't get any worse than that. It doesn't. And that was the one, obviously, that, that got it compared to. I know, uh, again, you, you heard all about it from, from Grant Bills. Uh, he was he was hammered at home, hammered at home, hammered at home. He 
he went to the well a few times uh, this week, so uh, I know he's still listening. So I just wanted to, to make sure uh, he, he understood what I was saying. Uh, but yeah, in, in terms of Badgers, things that could have happened, my thought it took a while. I was thinking like maybe Braylon Allen. Right, like Braylon Allen, leave. He's from Wisconsin. He's talked about how great the Wisconsin program is, how much he loves Wisconsin. He's a he's a he's a nice, he's a good player, he's an All Big Ten player. He had actually left and gone to Michigan last year, right? That that could be a situation. But then I thought about it. I'm like, there are a lot of people that are not that don't think Braylon Allen is 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 like an elite player at Wisconsin in their history. And I and and maybe I I, I could agree with that a little bit. Um, the one I thought about that did actually happen, Tyler Hero, but. That is that's a little bit of a different situation. He's from Wisconsin. He talked about how great the Wisconsin program is. He commits to Wisconsin, then he spurns him and goes to to Kentucky. But it's hard to fault him for that decision because if you know what Kentucky is and and why he went there, you understand it. The one that really comes to mind is is JJ Watt. JJ Watt was a good player in 2009. He came back in 2010. He was an All Big Ten player. He was uh, the Lot Impact Trophy Award winner. He had an opportunity to come back for another year. He didn't. He obviously went to the NFL. But what if he had decided that he didn't want to play at Wisconsin, (laughs) that he decided he was going to go play at Iowa or go play at Minnesota? And Wisconsin loses one of the best defensive players ever and a guy that was beloved. Like, that is as close as I can think of for someone to what Craig Council has uh, did. And, again, Craig Council, as we've seen, maybe the, the response would have been a little bit different before Tuesday, um, or uh, what? What day was that? Monday that they came. Monday or Tuesday that they came out. Monday it was. It, maybe the response to him would be a little bit different, but he is now one of the more disliked people in uh, among Brewers fans. And I, I know there's a lot of people that are mar- upset with Mark Antanasio as well. But I think JJ Watt, if he had done that, would have completely thrown his legacy at Wisconsin into the trash. Similar, I think. Similar, not exactly what a lot of people think. Craig Council stuff. They're fun hypotheticals. Obviously, it would make no sense because he was a top fifteen NFL draft pick and all that. But I and mean, he come back. Yes, it was. Uh, it's fun. It's funny because we know Wikipedia hundred percent accurate all yes, the time. Right. Even though I have no idea who's inputting the information. But on Craig Council's Wikipedia page, it says as a result of Council's unexpected move to the Cubs, the sign for Craig Council Park located in his hometown of Whitefish Bay, was vandalized. This vandalism echoed a common feeling of betrayal among the Milwaukee community due to Council's unexpected signing with the Brewers' biggest rival. So, uh, fans are outraged. Yes. I mean, I I think about when LeBron left Cleveland and had the show and went to Miami and people were burning his jersey. I mean, look, those are expensive jerseys. He probably at least could have tried to sell them on eBay, but you do you. I think it shows how rare it is, especially from what we've seen at Wisconsin, but now that there is a transfer portal, you're more apt to see guys come and go. It does add another layer, though, when you stay in the league and end up playing against Wisconsin, but we're going to see those kinds of things more and more. Well, maybe a better example would have been had Paul Chris not fallen off the way that he did, mm-hmm. and had he not been the... T- I think a lot of... And they were not over, like completely, completely similar, but they, they were hometown guys who came home and coached or managed... The teams that they grew up watching, the, the teams that they grew up cheering for, the teams that they ended up playing for in their careers, Paul Christ at Wisconsin and obviously uh, Craig Council with Milwaukee, this would be like him walking away after 2019 where they had had, had some success. They hadn't won the Big Ten. They hadn't won, you know, 
uh, a playoff game or anything like that, and they lost all the Big Ten championship games, very similar to what Craig Council has done in the postseason. Now, bowl games, obviously a little bit different. I know the biggest bowl game in Wisconsin history, that 2017 <laughs> Orange Bowl for you. You're going to hammer that one home forever, I even though I never actually said that. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, did? you did. You argued You argued that the, Ro- that the Orange Bowl was a bigger deal than the Rose Bowl, that them winning it was a bigger deal than uh, going to the Rose Bowl. And losing? That's what you argued. I, and I stand and, by that. Yeah, that's a bad argument. I'm going to take. I'm taking. I'm taking going to the Rose Bowl and losing. Because, no, no, no. Because it, because of what it meant. Okay. Now in 2019, it did not mean that. Okay. Right. 2019 did not mean that because they didn't win the Big Ten to get there. But going to the Rose Bowl and not winning it is better in my mind because you've won the Big Ten than winning the, an Orange Bowl, and you were disagreeing with that. Yeah, I think. I, and you still I disagree. Think with I still that. disagree. Yeah. With okay. That, to All right. Be that, that was the. That was All the right, argument. That's fair. Okay. What, essentially, what you said was the 2017 season was better greatest than the greatest season of all time. The, the 2010, 2011, and 2012 Big Ten championship teams. That, that, uh. that's, those seasons don't compare to what they did in 2017. Yeah. I mean, okay. you all put right. the words right in my mouth, and I'll just <laughs> keep them there. Uh, but no, actually, this, this curse thing makes a whole lot more sense yeah. to me. I think uh, that's a good argument. But it would have to be going to another Big Ten team, yeah, like yeah. staying in the West, uh, which obviously would have been insane. Right. Like going in, going in North, uh, North like Illinois. Western. Yeah, I mean, eh, it had to be. It would have to have been the, one of the biggest rivals, right? It had, it would, Iowa. I, I think in Iowa, probably in that moment in 2019, it would have been Iowa. Yeah, yeah, that actually works very, very well in my mind. So glad um, this came together, Zach. Yeah, no, it, good, good. We we talked it, we talked through it, mm-hmm. and we got it. it. We got it. So Wisconsin again will take on. Northwestern on Saturday. We're going to talk a ton of basketball coming up in the next two segments. Jesse had an opportunity to chat with Greg Gar and a couple players. They're getting ready for a huge game tomorrow night against Tennessee. So we're going to, we haven't had a chance um, to talk much basketball. So we're going to do that. But before we do, little Northwestern preview here. I, I'm wondering what your feeling is going to this one. We're going to make our picks later in the in the show as well. They're your ten point favorites, which just is insane to me considering they think that they're actually going to be able to put up 10 points uh, in this game. We saw saw Northwestern and Iowa go toe-to-toe last week with a 10-7 ball game. I could see a similar thing playing out on Saturday, or maybe something similar to what we saw with Indiana and Wisconsin. Maybe that's more likely, but I, I have no idea how to feel about this game going in right now because I don't know which Wisconsin's going to show up. And if anything close to shows up against Indiana, they're going to be in the exact same situation they were in last week, which is trying to come from behind and, and fighting back, which is the same situation they found themselves in all year. Part of the issue in trying to make these determinations is not knowing who's going to be available to play. And Luke Fickle has kept that pretty close to the vest. Braylon Allen, Chimray DK are the two that comes to mind. I don't know if and when we'll see Tanner Mordecai, even though he warmed up on the field. For the game against Indiana, but if you don't have Braylon, you got the running backs that you had against Indiana, and I don't think they did a, a terrible job. Uh, but they're not Braylon and Chez, so I still think Wisconsin's going to find a way to win this game because if they don't, I don't know that they're <laughs> going to win the next two. And you're looking at a five and seven season, and quite likely no bowl game. So you got to fight and scratch so you can make your way to the uh, Motor City Bowl in Detroit potentially. Quick, quick Which lane is ball. where? Oh, the quick lane ball. I, I can't even keep track. It changes so often. Which uh, is where? In Detroit. Right, right. But you said which is where? Which is uh, where they are projected to go in uh, the athletics' latest 
bowl projections. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I still think they got they got to <laughs> win a game against Northwestern at home at least. If it was on the road, okay. It's a high school stadium. They grow the grass like 12 inches longer than everybody. What's now more, you got that home field advantage. What's more likely here this, these last three games? Yep. Eight and four or five and seven? So I, I thought you'd ask three three and zero oh or zero oh and three. What's more likely? <laughs> well, these are questions I did not expect us to be asking at this point in the year. I'm just I'm going to be yeah. completely honest with that. When we made our preseason predictions, we both had them winning double digit games. This is not a conversation I was thinking we were going to be having. But nope. here we are, on November 9th, having this conversation. Well, <laughs> I have to think about it because I, it's part of the what. What reason have they given us for me to pick them to go three and zero? I think it's going to be one, a one and two or two and one. But if I had to go between them, I guess zero and three, not knowing who's going to be available and and just I don't know. The thing is that defensively they have done some good things and enough to keep Wisconsin in the game. But they're mostly against Indiana. They just. <laughs> They collapsed. You can't give up a touchdown on the opening drive. You can't give up a touchdown at the end of the first half when the offense finally does something. Still, though, you should be able to win a game when you give up 20 points, you know? Yeah, I mean, defensively, they've been maybe better than we've given them credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would, I mean, the metrics like them more than maybe our I, I think we said this earlier this week. Or the metrics certainly like them better than our eyes do. But Northwestern does not have a, a ton of offensive weaponry right they are they're a they're a solid defense which is i think is obviously not great for wisconsin but you look at what wisconsin's done against what are quite quite honestly not a great set of offensive teams that they faced in this last what who's the who's the last good off well ohio state but outside of ohio state what good offenses have they faced in the conference i would say none yeah is that accurate and yeah that's will and will they face a good offense the rest of the year in the conference Nope, no. So it's going to come down to the offense being able to put some put something together, and I'm not confident that it's going to happen. But yeah. I, I do like. I, I'm anxious to see what Brain Lock looks like after a little bit of a down week, a, a week in which he said he had ten or eleven plays that he wanted back. I'm interested to see what what he can bring and, and whether some of these wide receivers can step up and make some plays for him, and he can put the ball where it needs to be because uh, that has not that did not happen last week against. Uh, Indiana, for the most part, for the most part, Bryce, Bryson Green notwithstanding on that catch and run for the, the longest pass play of the season for them. But we'll make our, our picks on that game coming up a little bit later in the show. Coming up on the other side of this, we're going to be talking a little Badger basketball as they get set to host number nine, Tennessee, tomorrow night. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Back at Monks in San Prairie for Temple and Heilprin. Going to get into a little basketball now as the uh, the Badgers getting set to face number nine, Tennessee. It is the first top ten non-conference team to come into Madison since... I'm just going to go the Duke game in 2014-15. You're, right. You're right. You didn't think I was going to get that one. Yeah, I did not think you were going to get that Man, one. Man, that was a crazy atmosphere. It was. They were, I believe, number three in the country. Wisconsin was obviously in the top ten at that point as well, and that game went to Duke, as did the one later in the year as well. We don't need to talk about that. Uh, but Justice with, touched it. <laughs> the game was over anyways. Um, but, yeah, Wisconsin taking on Tennessee tomorrow night. It's going to be uh, 
I think it's going to be a fun environment. 8 o'clock game. It's on Peacock, so I'm sure people are going to be very excited about that. Get your five ninety nine a month subscription ready to roll. Yeah. So Wisconsin's already played one game, but we're going to do a little bit of a, essentially what is a season preview. You've seen an exhibition game. You've seen a game in which they've scored 105 points, the most they've put on a team since 1995, the most ever at the Kohl Center since the Kohl Center didn't open until 1998, January, I think, of 1998. Um, all right. So let's get into this. I was a little, little sold or not sold. I did overreact or no, but when I was putting these together, I was like, that's, that has to be like way over the top. So I'm just going to do sold or not sold with this and give you a little opportunity to ta- tell some stories at the same time, Jesse. <laughs> A.J. Store, the transfer from St. John's, will lead Wisconsin in scoring this season. I'm sold on this. Chucky Hepburn dropped 20 points in the season opener, but I think A.J. Store has been a consistent scorer. The way some of his teammates talk about him, uh, makes you realize that he's a very special player. So I, I wrote a story for The Athletic that ran on Thursday and I had a chance to talk to Greg Gard, A.J. Storr, Connor Asijan, and Tyler Wall for it. And Tyler talked about he is the kind of guy, you need a bucket, he will go get it for you. A.J. said he feels like he's a three-level scorer. He can do a lot of different things. And, and Gard said he, and this was part of his message to A.J. when they were talking about trying to get him from the portal, obviously we need you, but this is the perfect place for you. And... I think that comes in part with some of the other ways that this staff can help him. But from a scoring threat, I absolutely think he's going to end up leading this team in that category. For you, does it look like he is just brimming with confidence every time he touches the ball? Like, it's, like it feels like he thinks he can score whenever he has it in his hands. And I, and maybe there's a lot of players like that. I, I don't know that. It just feels like he's got the kind of, I don't. Maybe this is a little unfair, but he's got like the Johnny Davis like. I'm the best player on the court mentality, and I can score in a whole bunch of different ways. We've seen him shoot from three. We've seen him, you know, a little pull-up, you know, fadeaway jumper in the, in the lane. Like, he's athletic enough to, to jump over guys. He's playing the three, but I think he could probably slide down to the two or slide up to the four. So he's got the ability to play so many different spots, and he's just so smooth. This is exactly the kind of guy Wisconsin had to get. And they, the they were missing last year. Exactly, and that's what I was going to say. Anybody who watched the Badgers last season knows where I'm going to go with this. One of the biggest challenges, there were two challenges, two of the biggest challenges. I mean, there were obviously a lot of things that go wrong when you don't make the NCAA tournament, but your depth was hindered significantly to begin with. Then you had these injuries, and they couldn't score for (laughs) so many stretches. I mean, look at the Big Ten tournament game against Ohio State. A must-win game for the Badgers. Multiple droughts of three-plus minutes. The epitome of this were the last nine minutes and seven seconds against North Texas in the NIT. Wisconsin didn't score a point. Went from leading by eight to losing by two. I think when you get a player like Storr, and Tyler talked to me about this as well, he felt like there were a lot of instances last year where okay, the shot clock's under ten, we have to get something. Everyone's kind of standing around waiting for something to happen and you end up taking a bad shot. That's going to be, I think, less frequent this year when you've got a guy like that who can create and you've got a little bit more depth. I'm not saying you're not going to see five-minute droughts because yeah. this is possible, but I think that's something they had to address, and they did. As long as they don't make it to double digits on a consistent <laughs> basis. Like, you, you mentioned the nine-minute drought. That wasn't even the longest one of the year. That is, to me, is that's the... Yes, it's very hard to get that out of your mind, is it not? About what we saw last year? Yes. And I know that they added AJ yeah. Store, and I know that they added... You know, uh, Nolan Winter mm-hmm. and, you know, John um, Blackwell. Blackwell, excuse yeah. me. I, I know that, and they've gotten, you know, maybe some better production or will get better production from guys, but it just feels like it's just right 
right there, yeah, <laughs> then it could happen again because it's a lot of the same guys. Yeah, I think that's fair too because you got your top five scores coming back. You got nine of your top ten, and um, sometimes we can automatically assume, oh, these guys are experienced, they're older. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate. But I, I think, and I think this also came across when I was talking to Greg. He's he's clearly very excited about this group, but it, it's one thing to have experience. It's another to show improvement. And you can go across the board, and I think all of these guys have done something that is noteworthy. Tyler, he wasn't healthy last year. He wasn't 100% when he came back from the ankle injury. We know that Connor Seijan struggled down the stretch, maybe hit a bit of a freshman wall, couldn't make threes. He's worked on being more of an all-around player. And the other starters, too, I think they've all developed their game in, in a different way. Chucky Hepburn's lost a ton of weight. He's quicker. So there's reason for optimism at the start of this season. That's where I wanted to go next, yeah. Chucky Hepburn. Um, he has had solid first two seasons, right? Like, as maybe not as good as you could have expected, but but pretty darn good. He, uh, my my question for you here is, sold or not sold? He's going to top 120 assists and have an assist turnover ratio of better than two to one. Now, previously in his two other seasons here, he went. Um, thank you very much. Appreciate. No. <laughs> appreciate it. Yep. Just got a free beer. Always appreciate it. Um, we got fans everywhere. Maybe yes. you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, so in his first year, I think it was one point. I mean, if you want to round up, it was two to one, but it was like 1.97. And his second year was 1.9. Yeah. And he had less than 100 assists in both. He had 99 last year, so he was close. 120 assists and a better than two to one ratio. Sold or not sold? So. I'm actually sold on both of these. I had to pull out the cell phone calculator to figure out how many assists per game he'd have to need to get to 120. I just put it at 35 games. I don't know how many they're going to end up play up. Uh, 3.4287, there's a lot of numbers there. But if he gets three and a half assists a game, I can see that happening. He got six assists in the first game. I know there's going to be some tougher defenses that they play. But I think he'll be able to do that. And, and I think Greg also talked about that, too, that his assist-to-turnover ratio so far in live action, and this is what Greg said, it's been astronomically good. Now, he had six assists, two turnovers in the season opener, but he said they, they obviously keep stats in practice, all live stats. He's just been tremendously impressed with the way that he's been able to take care of the ball. So I think he's going to hit that, and I think he's going to hit the two-to-one assist-to-turnover uh, ratio, which is a, a really important marker for a point guard. It is. I, I was went back and looked to see like what some of the best were. Ever. Jordan Taylor for at Wisconsin. He had the record for a while. It was like three point nine three to one. He still does. Like yeah, he still does. It was it was quite high, and you know for for a single season, it was. Uh, I want to say this is not good radio here, but um, <laughs> this is horrible radio right now. It was, he led the nation in 2010-11. It was, was 4.30. Yeah. Excuse me, uh, Jordan Taylor, you said in 2011, he was, it was 3.83. Yeah, in 2010-11 uh, when the he was season, all The season best for a Wisconsin player is 4.3 to 1, that being Mike Kelly. Now, he only had 86 assists, but he also only turned it over 20 times, which is pretty darn good. Um, some pretty good lists, some pretty good names on that list. And, like, career-wise, I think Jordan Taylor's up there. I think Mike Kelly's up there. Mike Kelly had a 6.2 to one ratio in 1999 in Big Ten play. That's pretty good. Now, again, 50 assists, eight turnovers, but that obviously was the key. My guess my guess is uh, with with what um, 
Greg Gard has wanted and what Greg Gard wants out of his point guard. Like he has talked about, you mentioned, talked about how good he's been with the numbers behind the scenes in practice. The first game kind of, first two games, the exhibition game and the opener, kind of showed what he had been talking about. Um, all right, another one here. Tyler Wall will shoot better than 50% from the field, something he did in the 21-22 season but did not in the 2022-2023 season. And I wanted to provide this an opportunity for you to yeah. talk about the injury that obviously he was not able to overcome last year even though he played. Right. We spent so much time last season talking about the fact that he wasn't able to finish at the rim in the paint and it sort of felt like an anomaly type of season although I know like you mentioned he's only had one season in his career where he's hit better than 50% but that ankle was clearly a bigger deal than any of us realized like he missed three games and Wisconsin lost all three of those games and then Max Klesman got hurt against Penn State, missed two games, and Wisconsin was just never really the same. They lost 6-7 to seven during that stretch. They never won back-to-back games after starting the season in the top 15 in the AP you know, top 25. But I think Tyler, when healthy, will be able to provide that type of a lift. Like 50%, I think that is reasonable. And, and if he can play a little higher up above the rim, take... I mean, there were a lot of instances where he found himself in a spot where he's taking a, a contested shot, a well-defended shot. Maybe there's multiple guys down there. I think he's going to be able to do that this year. Yeah, I don't think he was, as you said, able, ever able to. And again, I think we also have to be fair. He was not necessarily shooting it great before he got hurt around the basket. There were some struggles around the basket even before then. But I don't think he ever, when he came back, was never able to plant yeah. both feet, go up strong, and be confident that it was going to not be a problem. So if he can do that, he'll be in a good spot. So I'll just tell you what he said about this. He, he talked about he sprained his ankle, and he said he it swelled up really badly. He said, I, I think I really would have needed two or three more, I assume, weeks for him to feel like he was getting better. You mean but, like not come back for another right, two or right. three weeks? But they were in a, they were in a hole. <laughs> right. He said he'd never, this was his first injury ever, and it was hard to watch from the sideline. He said, I don't regret sitting out or, or coming back. But he said, like, this is Big Ten basketball, and you've got to go out there, and you've got to give it as much as you can. So while he wouldn't change it, they were in a tough spot. He was in a tough spot. I mean, he had come back. This was going to be his senior season and it it clearly impacted him way more than any of us recognized it, it definitely did um one more here before we go to break more likely wisconsin shoots better than 36 percent from three or better than 70 75 percent from the free throw line well they were below both those marks last season uh, i think what did they ended up 34 percent last year from three 34.2 percent which, which dipped significantly as the season went on as Chucky and yes. and uh, Connor kind of right. kind of went off the deep end. It didn't help well, it more so than more so Connor than than Chucky. Yeah, it didn't help it Connor's last 12 games I believe he was 22.2% yeah. he was and, 42% before that and was taking the most of them. Yeah. Um along I'm, with Chucky. I'm, I'm inclined to say the three-point shooting instead of the free throw shoot. 75% is really darn good and this is a team last year that shot 69.1%. I don't know if they're going to take that big of a leap but the, the three-point numbers feel feasible to me they did make six of 12 threes in the season opener they've got shooters and i i think i i would expect connor to be much more consistent this year you see this a lot with freshman players you can play a lot of aau ball and high school ball but you get into the grind of what it's like in the big 10 season when teams scout you when you're playing them multiple times when you've got to be physical it took its toll and so 
I think there are players that can surround him, and I expect Chucky to be in that mix too, A.J. Store. A lot of guys can make threes, Klesman obviously, so I'm, I'm going to go there. All right, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I would probably say the three-point shooting as well. They've been around that figure from, for most of the last 20-some-odd years. There have been some low years. There's been some higher years, but it's usually right around that number. So we'll see. All right, come back to the other side. We, we did, we did uh, individual predictions for the season or individual things for the season. We'll touch, touch on the team side coming up after the break. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Back at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie for Temple and Heilprin. The Bucks are uh, currently on the screen. I'm not going to give you the score because by the time you hear this, most of you, the game will be over, which is okay. But we're, we we have already talked Wisconsin Northwestern. We're going to make our picks coming up here in the final segment. Jesse had a solid week again. He's still 10 games over 500. I believe he went three and three. I'm back to 500 for the year 28, 28 and four. So feeling good about that. But we'll make our picks coming up here in the next segment. This one, another. Focus on basketball as you get ready to take on Tennessee tomorrow night. We These are essentially season predictions. Talked individual in the last segment. Talking about the team in this one, sold or not sold. Wisconsin will be ranked by the end of the non-conference season. This is such a tough question because they have so many challenging opponents. They've yeah. got Tennessee, which is currently ranked ninth. Then they go to this Fort Myers tip-off where they're going to play Virginia. Could play SMU West Virginia after that. Marquette's ranked fifth in the country right now. Michigan State, well, they won't be fourth when the next poll comes out because they lost to James Madison. But still, you got to go to East Lansing. And then you come back and you got to go to Tucson to play Arizona, which is in the top 15 right now. So I think it's a lot of opportunities. I don't know how many of those they need to win to be ranked. But right now, I'm going to say, yes, they'll do enough to be ranked. Right now, they're sitting at 26. They're, they're right on the outside in the others receiving votes category. So, um, yeah. I don't know enough about this team now, but I think they'll be able to win a couple of those games. So you're not sold then? No, because I, I'm sold because I think they're going to end up in the top 25 by the end of the non-conference season. I guess I should have said we'll be ranked at the non, at the end of the non-conference season as opposed to we'll be ranked what? at some point in the no, non-conference no. season. Like I, If they beat Tennessee, they're going to be ranked next week. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Are, I you, think, say, are you saying when they, yes. go into, when they play Chicago State, on December 22nd, and when they go into play Iowa on January 2nd, they'll be ranked. I'm going to say yes. Okay. Um, sold or not sold here? Wisconsin will finish in the top four of the Big Ten. Well, that's another one where I, th- I think I'm going to say yes. Um, sold. I am sold, yeah. And, hey, anybody can lose. Again, we Mich- saw that. Michigan State. So, I just, there's a lot of... Years like this don't happen every year, and I think that's important to know. I know they didn't go to the NCAA tournament last year. There's a lot of talent, and they added pieces at really important spots. You got a guy who can be a go-to scorer like we talked about with A.J. Storr. You got more depth in the front court, which you desperately needed. I know this staff loves Nolan Winter. I mean, Greg Gard talked about him like the way he can run. He compared it to a guard, which is ridiculous for a seven-footer, and he can do a lot of different things. So I think there's enough there. Well, I was gonna. I was gonna say we haven't really talked about the the freshmen very yeah. much. Uh, him and John Blackwell both are guys that are going to. Well, I guess we did 
talk about them last week in what we think is a possibility them to be the most impactful true freshman in their first year at Wisconsin since maybe Nigel Hayes and Bronson Kagan in 2013, 2013-14. I mean, obviously, Brad Davison and company, we talked about that last week. There's nothing that has changed my belief after what I saw, especially, you know, this this past game with John Blackwell scoring 12 points and yeah. him willing to stick his face in on both sides. Like, he just... He's got a little bit of a... He, he's got a little... <sighs> little Michael Flowers to him. He's got a little Josh Gosser to him. He's He's got, like, just that it factor that allows guys to play so early in their careers. Maybe even Jordan Taylor, too. Just guys that were able to come in and play right very, very early in their careers. He's got that. Yeah, and Tyler Wal- or uh, Connor Seijan talked about how hard he plays, and he's always hustling, rebounding, doing those little things, diving on the floor. What I thought was interesting is Greg told me that he has really come on strong because he said, Maybe 20 days ago, he said, if you would have asked me, I might not have named John Blackwell in his rotation. Because that was another question I asked Greg. How many guys, I know you get to ask this question every year at this time, but how many guys do you think realistically you see playing? And he, he feels pretty strongly about the fact that he's got a top nine at this point, which you've got your five starters, you've got a Seijin and Gilmore coming off the bench, and then the two freshmen that we're talking about, Nolan Winter. And, and John Blackwell is firmly in that picture. And will you go to 10 or 11? It may depend on the circumstance. We know when you get into the conference play, it tends to dwindle. But Blackwell is there. And he said he didn't have a very good red and white scrimmage, is what Greg said. But he felt that it wasn't indicative of the performance that he'd been seeing in practice. And so I think that says a lot about a true freshman to come in and, and do that and steadily grow to the point where you can be in the rotation. And he scored 12 points in the opener. Do you think he could be a guy that could fill some minutes for Chucky at the point? Potentially. I mean, who else? We saw it. I mean, I mean, Kamari McGee is the, right. was the guy that was last year, that was towards yes. the end of last year, was coming off the bench and being that guy. I, I, he's not among the top nine right now. Correct. But I kind of feel like John Blackwell can maybe give them some minutes there, assuming it's not Klesmet, you know, you know, moving over. Yeah. It would be Klesmet or Blackwell. I mean, yeah. Klesman played... The minutes aren't really – it's not helpful to point that out from the opener because they had so many guys play. But right. I think he can, and the fact that Kamari McGee is a little further down the depth chart this year would indicate that it's got to be one of those other two guys. And I don't think it's a bad thing. No, I don't. I mean, competition breeds excellence, right? And you've got guys that are showing why they deserve to be on the floor. I'm trying to think of, like, who else maybe has shot Marcus Silver. Yeah, in terms of the 10 or 11 yeah. spot, right. Like Isaac Lindsay, he comes in and he, he makes some shots. Um, look, if you need if you need shooting, maybe he can give that to you, but there's a few guys that are fighting for some. Showed some really good things. I feel like Marcus Silver, every time he, you, you know this about me, but when I see the when I see a shot go up, yeah, I base whether he's a good shooter based on whether the people on the bench get up. That's that's how I decide whether a, a guy's a good shooter or not. When Connor Season shoots, they're getting up. When Chucky Hepburn shoots, they're getting up. When Marcus Silver shoots, they're getting up sometimes. So I'm, I'm so sometimes, sometimes 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 not all the times yeah. sometimes. So I kind I kind of I, I kind of feel like he's got maybe some of that in his game, but he's got so many. Uh, there's some holes. <laughs> uh, I think it's being fair to say in the rest of his game. Um, all right, this this is obviously a, the biggest question for people because they did not get to see the Badgers in the NCAA tournament last year. Wisconsin will make the NCAA tournament. Are you sold or not sold? Well, and you I, probably know where I'm headed yeah, with this. I, if I think they're going to be a top-four team and ranked in the top 25 by the time January rolls around. I certainly think this is an NCAA tournament team. It would be a 
disappointment, a failure if they don't. I think you've got to say it would be a failure if they don't make the NCAA tournament this year coming on the heels of not making it last year. When you return these core players, when you say they've all gotten better, when you've gone to the transfer portal, gotten A.J. Store, and you've got a rotation. And, look, things can change. I mean, if three guys get hurt or something and you're in a spot like you were last year, maybe we're having a different conversation. But, absolutely, this is a team that should make the NCAA tournament. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. I can't imagine the last time we said anything being a failure if they didn't do this particular thing. It was and, probably and two it, months ago when football started. <laughs> and guess what? Would you say this football season has been a success? Because I wouldn't. No, absolutely not. But we also were like, oh, there's there's I mean, absolute failure if they don't win a championship. If they don't win the West, it's an absolute failure. And now you're sitting here and you're like, well... It is a failure of a season, but also there's a big picture goals here. And you hope you can gain something out of this and be better next year. But if we're just talking about this year, yeah, not great. They have to make the they have to make the NCAA tournament. They have to. They have to. Like it's 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 a must. Sixty eight teams get in. It's, <laughs> it's a must, especially with what we think is a, a strong Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Well, they they do obviously have elite teams with Purdue. You wanted to put Michigan State there? No, I just said the word that I don't want to say. No. Uh, they, they have several teams that oh, are at a high you. level, right? Purdue, Michigan State. Yeah. Um, and then, but then there's some, you can throw some other teams in there. But I think Wisconsin can compete with almost all of them. Absolutely. Right? Like, they're, they're, it doesn't, when, you, when it stands out, then they have a, obviously a very tough non-conference schedule. But that is also an opportunity. Like, you can look at it in a couple different ways. You can look at it as a, as a huge challenge. You can also look at it as a huge opportunity. And I think it's a huge opportunity to, to stack their resume with huge, huge wins. And, again, two of those are at home. You get Marquette at home, you get Tennessee at home. The one at Arizona is going to be tough. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sitting there saying, yes, those are opportunities. And you go and take those. You're looking good come, come spring, assuming – you don't fall apart the way you did in the conference season last year, and you don't finish the way that you needed to, which they obviously didn't last year. I, I, I'm sold on them making the NCAA tournament, and they absolutely have to make the NCAA tournament. Now, I think that's different than between what makes what defines a successful season. Mm-hmm. What defines a successful season for you? Yeah, it is different because you can finish seventh in the Big Ten, be pretty mediocre, but do just enough to get in and be an eight seed and lose in the first round. It's hard to feel like that's a successful season. So I do think challenging for a top four double bye in a Big Ten tournament, that's reasonable. It feels realistic. And, of course, as we say every year, you are often defined by what you do in March in the NCAA tournament. So if you get out of that first weekend, that that feels like a success. And this is tough because a couple years ago when they had Johnny Davis, they had a fantastic season, were co-Big Ten regular season champions, and then fizzled out, didn't make it out of the first weekend in Milwaukee. I think a lot of people still felt that was successful because in the preseason they were picked to finish 11th. So a lot of it has to do with expectations too. They were picked the preseason this year by the media members to finish 5th, and that feels pretty reasonable. Prediction for tomorrow night? Ooh, boy. Let's... I'm just going to pick the Badgers. Gonna be, I think it's going to be a low-scoring, maybe not a low-scoring game, but Tennessee's defense last year was one of the best in the country. I don't know if they're going to be able to bring offense offense at the same level that maybe uh, some of the top teams in the country can, but can Wisconsin bring some of that those points that they, that they had the other night into tomorrow night? Here's what I would say is there are 
a few games each year where the Kohl Center is the absolute place to be. It's rocking. It's one of those memorable atmospheres. The Kansas or the uh, the Duke Wisconsin game 2014-15 was one of them, and I think this very well will be one of those environments as well. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. We're going to pick our games for Week 11. Gosh, Week 11 already. We'll pick those coming up on the other side of the break. This is Temple in Heilbrunn, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple and Heilprin. Getting ready for week 11 of the college football season coming up on Saturday. It's a big one in the Big Ten as Michigan and Penn State are going to face off. It's a big one in other parts of the country as well, out west and in the SEC. We'll start our picture, Jesse, uh, with Utah facing Washington. It's 18th ranked Utes taking on the 5th ranked Huskies. They are still unbeaten. And they are nine-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. Utah coming off uh, a blowout loss at home to Oregon. Well, No, excuse Utah. me. Excuse me. Yes. No. They came back and beat Arizona, Arizona State, State 55-3. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just so, I'm so traumatized by I what they you. did to Oregon. So I like Utah in this one because nine-and-a-half feels like a lot, even though it's a home game for Washington. And I know they just put up 52 points against USC, which has a terrible defense. But if you go back the four previous games before that, they were all single-digit squeakers. So I think Utah covers, even though I think Washington's going to remain undefeated. Utah has not, yeah, I mean, Washington State has not played overly well defensively for a while now. Like, to start the year, they, they felt like they had a, a defense, not Oregon-level defense, but they had a defense that was going to put up some some uh, some fight. That has not necessarily happened the last few weeks. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Utah as well on that one. Uh, the other one that... Uh, caught you off guard you had no idea that missouri was as good a team as they were as they <laughs> are this year but they are ranked 14th in the country they are hosting tennessee tennessee 13th ranked in the country i actually have this spread wrong i gave the spread wrong tennessee's favored by two in that game oh well this changes everything um i'm gonna go with missouri at home in this one and the reason i haven't followed missouri is because i grew up in kansas and that used to be a big rivalry and they left for the sec and i haven't had to care about the tigers since so good riddance i'm gonna go with missouri as well on that one um Ole Miss traveling to Georgia to take on the number two dogs they are number two because Ohio State's number one obviously uh the dogs ten and a half point favorites in that one against Lane Kiffin and company man that's really that's really tough but I think Georgia's just been so strong all season I think they're gonna cover it home I don't trust Lane Kiffin in a big game <laughs> do you uh, I, don't I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't trust him in a big game. He's also got some off-the-field distractions going on as well. Talking about uh, mental health with one of his players um, that has filed a lawsuit against him. Either way, I'm, uh, I'm going with Georgia as well. Michigan at Penn State. The uh, Wolverines unbeaten. Ranked third in the country. Penn State 10th. Michigan four and a half point favorites. I don't think there's anything else going on around the Michigan program right now that we even need to address. So, yeah, just the, just the game, right? <laughs> Everybody's been looking ahead to November 25th for the game, Michigan-Ohio State. Wouldn't it be something if Penn State put a little wrench in that plan? I mean, it's in State College. Look, I don't have to pick Penn State to win because I have four and a half to work with, so I'm going to go with Penn State. Uh, it's a fantastic matchup. I don't think Penn State's offense is going to be able to score. Might be right. I don't think they are. 
It is, and it is. I get it, and that's four and a half points. And Michigan doesn't have Connor Stallions, but <laughs> that that's that's tough. For, that's tough for me because I don't think Penn State's offense is any good, and I know their defense is, but I like Michigan's offense better there. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to. I think I'm gonna have to take Michigan. I in, think you are too. In there you as well to, to, to try and get a little bit back. Uh, Rutgers traveling to number twenty-two Iowa. Iowa is a one-point favorite. The over/under in that game is twenty-eight something. It's the lowest <laughs> in like thirty years, which we say every week when Iowa oh, plays. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Iowa in this one. It is inexplicable why they're in first place in the West, but there is a magic involved there. All they need is to win this game, really, for me to, to have a, a chance. I guess it could push with a one-point win, but they can't win one to nothing. So. I, I looked it up. I usually, yeah, I usually never go against Deacon Hill. Deacon Hill, I mean, he, he's kind of my my thing. Yep. But um, I'm gonna have to go Rutgers here. They're gonna they're gonna win this game. They're gonna win this game, and they can't lose it by a half point. So uh, they're 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 gonna they're gonna win this one. Okay. And Wisconsin and Northwestern, the Badgers favored by ten in this one somehow, some way. I can't imagine either one of us is going to say Wisconsin's <laughs> gonna win by ten. So I, I I feel good about that. Were they favored by nine and a half last week? They were. How'd that work out? It didn't go well. Well, now they're favored by ten. I guess you could say, well, they're at home. But you Northwestern. Could, you could say, well, they're there. They not are as bad home. as I thought Northwestern was going to be. I think Wisconsin wins, but I cannot in good conscience, based on what we've seen lately, say that they're going to win by more than ten. And maybe I'll eat crow on the show next week, Zach, but I'm going to go with Northwestern to cover, but Wisconsin wins. What is the storyline that you think will be coming out of this one? It's a little, uh, Wisconsin's what, what? going to the bowl in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean they win or that they have to then win no, no. the last two? Oh, I think Wisconsin is going to win, and I think I may have said this off air. If they lose, my God. May God help us all to have to watch the last two games. For a potential bowl availability, yeah, right? Yeah, that's and, true. And obviously the huge, huge rivalry games. Yes. For what trophy do they play for with Nebraska again? I believe it's the Freedom Trophy, which they just made up a decade ago. But the Paul Bunyan's axe. That's a real one. That, Slab of bacon, too. That one matters. That one matters. The Nebraska trophy doesn't matter. No. I'm I'm also on board with you. I, I think Wisconsin finds a way to win this. I'm not confident to say that because I don't know what they're going to look like offensively, but uh, I, 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 can't, I can't say 10. Like, come on. Come on. Nobody. Well, I know that like 73% of the money was on Northwestern. So we'll see. We're going to come back uh, next week. We'll talk about Northwestern. Look ahead to Nebraska. The Badger basketball team also in action against Tennessee and then at Providence. Should be a fun week of Badgers. Thank you for listening. Temple and Heilprint.